Boy, I love singing with you all. I tell you what, what a blessing. Well, it's a, indeed a blessing to be here and speak before you. I'm honored. Um, we've heard some incredible lessons so far. And this, I know, but for me personally, this has just been an incredible series of, of lessons and events. I look forward to this every year, and this year, for some reason, has just been truly special. Um, you, so thank you for all our speakers. Thank you to this church for, for hosting this. This is awesome. The death of Jezebel. <clears throat> Jezebel. I, a lot of people have come up to me already and said, I can't wait for this one. This one I'm really excited for. I can't wait till Jezebel gets what she deserves. And I can't help but feeling, you know, you're right. You know, I, she's got it, got it coming. Jezebel was a wicked, wicked woman. I mean, the things that we've been reading about that she did are unfathomable to us. I mean, killing the prophets, deceiving, lying, murdering, hating, and just being overall bad, really bad. Well, her death, may, we may feel a little bit of elation at her, her demise, but we have to be careful as Christians, of course, not feeling elation over anyone's death, even one as wicked as her. Um, we have to understand that these are still people made in God's image, and we must at least respect that. And there is indeed sorrow at the loss of anyone. Um, and of course, her loss is, is eternal. Second Kings chapter 9 is our main text this evening. Second Kings chapter 9, starting around verse 30. To conclude our series here, we come to the point when there's been more internal turmoil in Israel. Kings have been overthrowing kings. There's been uh, depositions. There's been subplots and, and various things going on with the thrones in Israel. People have been taking over others. And here we come to the point where we have Jehu, the new king of Israel. And, of course, he was the commander of the army, a powerful man, a mighty man. And it just came to the point where people said, you know what? We're going to put you in power. You're the guy for the job. So we're going to anoint you king in place of the current king who was a family member of Ahab and Jezebel. And so we get to verse 30 here. It says, when Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it. And she painted her eyes and adorned her head and looked out of the window. And as Jehu entered the gate, she said, Is it peace, you Zimri, murderer of your master? We'll get to that. And he lifted up his face to the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? Two or three eunuchs looked out at him. And he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down. <laughs> that was quick. And some of her blood spattered on the wall and on the horses, and they trampled on her. And he went in and ate and drank. And he said, See now to this cursed woman and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. But when they went to bury her, they found no more than her, of her than her skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. When they came back and told him, he said, This is the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servant Elijah the Tishbite. In the territory of Jezreel, the dog shall eat the flesh of Jezebel, and the corpse of Jezebel shall be as dung on the face of the field in the territory of Jezreel, so that no one can say, this is Jezebel. Pretty ominous, yes? Pretty, pretty dark. Um, so the new king, Jehu, comes to essentially finish the job. He's already, back in uh, 1 Kings chapter 20, 
20, uh, 16, excuse me, 1 Kings 16, we read about this Zimri. Of course, this is where this sort of begins with this Zimri's coup over the current king at that time. And of course, as you just heard Jezebel mention, she's comparing Jehu to Zimri and his now current coup of her family and her herself. Ahab at this point is already deceased. He's already dead. And now it's her turn. And basically, Jehu is here to finish the job of the coup. But in 1 Kings uh, 21, we read, many speakers have already mentioned this, Elijah had already prophesied this would happen. The Lord decided this would happen. He wanted this to happen. And of course, God works indeed in mysterious ways through people who did various actions, whether good or evil. And this was done. And God saw to it that it would be done. Because th these people had to end. These people had to be punished for what they did. God, God pronounced that, God said that, and it came to pass. But here, in uh, just a little bit earlier than this, we see Jehu being anointed. We see him taking out the king of Israel and the king of Judah, assassinating them, having them killed, and essentially taking their place. And now we get to here, and look, look at what Jezebel does. She, she clearly knows why he's coming. She clearly understands the situation she's in. She paints her eyes and adorns her head and looks out the window. So this is a woman who beautifies herself, makes herself look good outwardly, but inside she's horrific, right? She's indeed evil, truly evil. And that's not to say she's not. there's nothing good in her, right? She certainly had some things good about her. All people do, right? They're not pure evil or pure good. Certainly none of us are good. Um, the New Testament clearly tells us that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. So you're not good, and I'm not good in that sense. We all fall short of God, but we're not pure evil either. We're not just evil. But Jezebel, about as close as you could get, I suppose. About as close as you could get. The Bible doesn't give us anything good about her, um, only bad. And this, this gives us God's perspective. This is how God sees people. Um, whatever good work she may have done in her life or good thoughts or, or whatever are overshadowed and overcome by the evil. And the evil did her in in the end. So, you know, we've talked extensively. Many spe speakers have spoken on the judgment of God so far and how God is just and God acts justly all the time. God is purely just, but he's also merciful. And these two things are not in conflict. They're perfectly balanced, held in the character of God. And we're called, as his people, to enact justice and mercy at different times and in different ways. But here we see justice. Justice. It's time for justice. So Jehu, what does he do? He, en he comes up to where she's living, her palace, and she looks out. And she says, is it peace, you Zimri, murderer of your master, comparing him to the former... Uh, leader of the coup earlier in this lineage. And he lifted up his face and he calls out, who is on my side? Who? Who's going to join me in this effort to get rid of this woman and fulfill what the prophet said? Two or three eunuchs look out at him. So these are people who are serving Jezebel and clearly not happy with the woman they're serving because they immediately, without a second thought, throw her down. So she's not respected. And why would she be? Why would anyone respect this woman? She's horrific. She surely doesn't treat them well. You can just see in their, their, 
joy in throwing her out, it seems, that she's not respected. So they throw her down, and, and her death is violent. It's brutal. It's horrific. She hits the ground. Her blood spatters. The horses trample her. And then the dogs eat her down to nothing. Even the bones. Only her skull and palms of her hands and feet are left. And you notice this towards the end of this passage. And the corpse of Jezebel shall be as dung on the face of the field. So pretty graphic, right? I mean, the dogs are going to eat her and then do their business, and she's going to be dung, literally, on the face of the ground. It's pretty nasty stuff. But that's, that is the picture God is giving us here. God does not look kindly on evil, on sin. And this is what happens either in this life or in the one to come, or both. This is what happens to people who do not obey God and his law. This is what happens to people in particular who are so brutal and so evil and so awful to God's people. God doesn't deal kindly with them. And that's something to keep in mind. Now, this is the original Jezebel. This is the Jezebel we know from what we've been studying so far. Jezebel, however, is mentioned again in the scriptures in a different context. And I think it's very interesting. Let's turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. Now, of course, this is titled The Death of Jezebel. So we're going to be talking about the death of Jezebel. But not necessarily the original Jezebel alone. Revelation chapter 2. There seems to be in the scriptures another Jezebel and another death associated with her. And this Jezebel has great application to you and I in many ways. And I want us to explore that together. So Revelation chapter 2, we're dealing with verses 18 through 29. Now some context here. Of course, Revelation is a, an intense and symbolic, heavily symbolic book from beginning to end. But especially in the latter chapters. But even in these early chapters, there's much symbolism, and that's to be kept in mind. But here, Jesus, the Lord, the risen Lord, Jesus, ascended to heaven at the right hand of the Father, is condescending to his apostle John and delivering new revelation. And he's saying to his apostle, send these messages to these churches. I want these specific churches in Asia Minor to hear what I have to say. Imagine receiving a letter from Jesus. Let's <laughs> just get, can't even imagine it. For the better or worse. I mean, he says some good things, and then he says some not so good things about them. And you can see the emotional swing there from one high to low. So Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, this is to the church in Thyatira. And there's a mention here that I want us to look at. So verse 18, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like flame of fire and whose feet are as burnished bronze. So he opens up each of these addresses, speaking of himself typically and speaking of himself in the highest of terms, sort of in the third person and in these glorious, beautiful terms. He talks about himself with having eyes as a flame of fire. So like his eyes pierce the soul and his eyes are burning and he can, he can it's like the all-seeing eye, he can see everything. That's the image we're getting in like burnished bronze, this beautiful metal. But here we get in, in 19, Jesus says, I know your works, your love, 
your faith and service sound like some of the things some of the other speakers have been talking about so far, right? The attitude of a Christian. We should engage in service, compassion, love, faith. We need a greater degree of faith. All these things are important to a church, to the church, to Christians individually. This church has it. And that your latter works exceed the first. So they're improving. They've gone from point A to point B, and point B is better than point A, right? They've improved. This is good. Good things from Jesus, but I have this against you. That you tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. A few things to notice. That woman, Jezebel. So he uses the name Jezebel. Now, is this woman in the church of Thyatira's name Jezebel? I don't know. Possibly. It seems unlikely, especially in the symbolic context of Revelation and in the way Jesus is using it. He seems to be referring to the original Jezebel and using her name as a sort of label on this woman, whoever this woman is. Maybe her name is Jezebel. But regardless, what she's doing is Jezebel-esque. It's what Jezebel did and would do. So that, that's what's so interesting about this is even if her name isn't Jezebel, she's living in the style of Jezebel. She thinks she kind of is like Jezebel, and she really is like Jezebel. She calls herself a prophetess, so either she's making false prophecies or she's a non-prophetess. She's just not a prophetess, and she thinks she is. And she's teaching and seducing my servants, Jesus says. So first of all, she's teaching, which is like she's asserting herself upon this church. She's really determined to get people to listen to her and what she has to say. Sounds like the original Jezebel to me. She's very assertive, right? You compare her with her husband, Ahab, who we've discussed at length already. Ahab is a bit of a, a weakling. He's a bit spineless, right? He, he's a bit whiny, really. When it came down to it, I don't have my vineyard. I, I, I want this vineyard and this guy's in my way. And then it was Jezebel who was a bit more determined, a bit more assertive herself, and she said, I'll get it for you. I know what to do. I know how to get this thing that you want. So while, you know, Ahab, her husband's a bit of a five-year-old on the playground or something, she's like a snake in the grass. She's like a lioness. She's, she's on it. She's determined. She's brutal. And she has bloodlust. That's the original Jezebel that we've been reading about. But this woman, this Jezebel, this Jezebel calls herself a prophetess, is teaching and seducing my servants. Seduction. So just like the original, she makes herself look beautiful outwardly. She appears pleasant. She appears beautiful. And what she's offering sounds really good. And you wonder, well, in what way? Well, you think about it. What exactly was the modus operandi of the original Jezebel? Well, we look no further. To this Jezebel here, this is what it is. She basically offers freedom in exchange for being bound to her. You follow me. You do what I say. I rule over you, and I give you freedom. 
freedom to do whatever your little heart desires. Whatever makes you feel good in the moment. Hence, the sexual immorality. Hence, the eating food sacrificed to idols. You can do whatever you want if you bind yourself to me. Now, what I find interesting about that is that it sounds a whole lot like something else, like the gospel of Jesus Christ, for example, where Jesus says, follow me. And they left their nets and followed him. And what did he offer them? I will set you free. The truth will set you free. And I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. So the truth, Jesus, will set you free. I'm going to set you free from what? Your sins. Your sins that bind you and hold you back, hold you away from your God, separate you from God. I'll free you from that. Well, in similar fashion, and in a highly perverted fashion, Jezebel, quotes, Jezebel offers her followers the same thing, essentially, at least in word. You follow me, and I'll set you free. Not free from your sins, freedom to sin. Freedom to pursue anything you want. And what do people want? <laughs> well, we know what people want because we're people. And we want things. We want sexual immorality. That's what we want deeply. We want to propagate ourselves out there and just do whatever we want with whomever we want. And to eat food sacrificed to idols, this one's a bit more obscure, but it's talked about, been talked about already quite a bit. There's a modern variation of idol worship, and it's pervasive. Like I said, it's been talked about, but you think about something like abortion, and I, I tell you, this, this just shocks me that people have not only given in to the lies surrounding it, but they shout their abortions today. Women shout their abortions. Their, the male counterparts, the men who are supposed to be with them, they're nowhere to be seen when this thing happens. When abortions happen, the man is gone. He's nowhere around. The woman goes there, does the deed, has the deed done to her. The doctor kills her child, and she's broken. She's ruined. She's destroyed. These women are seriously broken women. And the church needs to be involved in helping them. But this is modern idolatry, at least a part of it. One piece of it, and a very fierce and, and harsh and evil piece. The women essentially go there to offer their children as sacrifices to an idol of what? Self? An idol of potential future? Success? Education? Career? Whatever other lie they've been sold. They're offering their own children to an idol. That's what they're doing. And, of course, there's many other modern examples of this, many other modern examples. And we can cry over these, and indeed we want to at times, and we should. We should sorrow over the fact that so many people have bought into these lies, including Christians. Many Christians have bought into them. I personally know a myriad of people that were my friends, acquaintances, mostly my age, a little bit younger, who have given themselves over to this. And it took some time for most of them, but maybe a few years, maybe nine or ten years, but they went from, I trust the Lord Jesus and everything he has to say to shout your abortion real quick. 
Didn't take too long. They're sacrificing to idols. And these things are always intertwined, right? The immorality, the sexual immorality, and the idol worship. They're just intertwined. And it's not for no reason. It just makes sense. When you give yourself over to this bondage, this enslavement, to these idols, they offer you free love and free sex. Do whatever you want. They offer you freedom. That's the offer. And what a seductive offer that is. Especially for younger people, right? Not for older people too. But we see it in younger people today a lot. Now Jesus says in verse 21, I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Doesn't that go back? Doesn't that just take you back to our earlier lessons in, this, in these lectures with Elijah and Jezebel? How Elijah was feeling so depressed that he just could not convert this woman Jezebel. All of Israel turned back to God. They saw the fire come down from heaven. They put away the Baal and they worshipped the true God of heaven. But Jezebel, she wasn't having it, was she? She wanted to kill him. It's kind of the same thing. I gave her time to repent, Jesus says, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. If Jesus can say that, I think we can say that too. That happens, and it's, it's already been talked about, but let's talk about it again. We try on some people. We struggle with people to try to convert them. I have one particular person in my life who many, many hours have been put in days, weeks, years trying to convert them to Jesus Christ and they just refuse. They refuse. Some people will. They just won't. There's, there's no way they will turn. God knows that. We don't know who, the, who those people are. But we can certainly come to a point with people where we realize there's nothing more I can do. That's a sad point to come to. Jesus says, even Jesus says, she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Nothing more can be done. Verse 22. Now here's the death of Jezebel. Here's the death of Jezebel. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed. And those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. Jesus always, always is willing and ready to repent. This is what he offers freely. I, I offer this to you freely, unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. Jesus takes this seriously, yeah? He takes sin real seriously. This way of Jezebel, he takes it seriously. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. There's justice again. You get what you do. Jesus will give you according to your works. And for the Christian, that's in the context of being in Christ. The works that you do in Christ, not outside of him. But Jesus searches mind and heart. He knows who's going to turn and who's not. He knows who are his and who are not. Jesus knows you belong to him or not. And you know that as well. 
But he's going to give each according to their works. So Jezebel gets what she deserves, just like the original. And anyone who follows her, anyone who buys in to this lie, and it is a lie. You know, people ask, how do nations fall? How do nations implode and collapse around themselves? Some people have the false idea that nations fall because some cult of personality pops up at some point in history as a novelty and then just gets everyone to follow him or her until the whole nation is destroyed. Yeah, everybody just come follow me. I know you never thought about any of this before and you never had any of that, these ideas in your mind before, but just come listen to what I'm telling you and they just blindly follow along, all innocent, and then the nation falls. That's not how it works. That is not how it works at all. Nations collapse when people tell lies. Lies bring down nations. And it starts with each individual person. Telling lies, believing lies, buying into lies, sharing lies, giving in to the lies. Then maybe a cult of personality will come and lead them, who also buys into the lies, because he's charismatic or something. But lies do it. Man, they do it. Lies will kill you, a church, a country, the world. Lies destroy. And this is a lie. The woman is offering nothing but lies, this Jezebel. So what else does Jesus say? Verse 24. Now here's the hope. Here's the hope. Here's, here's the hope that Jesus offers. And this is for you and me. We see Jezebel. We see what she's offering. And we see that many have bought it. And we see our job in that. We see we have to go and bring them back from that. We have to preserve the truth and love on these people, as we've talked about before, our enemies. We must love our enemies and teach our enemies and be willing to give everything for them. But Jesus gives us hope here. He says, To the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan... That's an interesting phrase, the deep things of Satan. What are the deep things of Satan? Well, sexual immorality and sacrificing food to idols. In other words, giving into idol worship. That's the deep thing of Satan. There are many deep things of Satan. I would say abortion is a deep thing of Satan. All kinds of immorality uh, are regarded as deep things of Satan. And when you think about Jezebel, she really is sort of the the perfect image of the deep things of Satan, right? She sort of embodies the deep things of Satan. It implies an intimate knowledge of the devil, an intimate knowledge of how he works, and then manipulating people using those tactics that work for him, knowing Satan intimately and doing what he does. That's what Jezebel did, and some people today do the same thing. They know Satan intimately and deeply, we know these people. But Jesus says, you have not learned the deep things of Satan. That's important, right? We, we, some people think you got to know the dark side intimately in order to appreciate the light. And you got to know how deep sin goes in order to know and appreciate how much God can save you. Well, no. That's not what this is saying. That's not what the scriptures teach. Stay away from the deep things of Satan. Stay away from Satan. Don't go anywhere near this woman and what she's offering. You don't want to go down that rabbit hole. You might not come back up. 
This isn't where you want to go. Stay away. And Jesus says to those who do stay away and preserve themselves from it. He says, I don't lay any other burden on you. So what a merciful Lord. What a merciful Jesus. He says, I'm writing this. It's very intense. And I'm laying it on you here. But on you who do not give in to these deep things of Satan and who don't know them, I'm not going to lay any other burdens on you here. So that's mercy. Jesus, Jesus understands the difficult things we go through. And it's very difficult to bear up with what the world is offering. It's very difficult. They're laying it on us. They really are. But Jesus says, I don't lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast to what you have until I come. Just hold on to what you already have and what I've given you. That's all you have to do. Hold on. Hold on to Jesus. Hold on to the reality of his promises. You know the promises he's given you. And he's about to give some more promises here. Some incredible promises from Jesus. He just says, hold fast. Here's the promises. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces. So, you know, Jezebel was a queen. Ahab was a king. And we're sort of talking about the context of Jezebel here. So what we're dealing with here is a queen who used her authority and misused her authority horribly. A queen who persecuted, killed, tortured. And this woman, Jezebel, who invites people using some false authority she thinks she has to teach people and invite people into her fold and get them to follow her, some authority she thinks she has, Jesus says, if you are a conqueror, if you overcome this, if you hold fast to me, you're going to be in authority. I'm going to put you in a place of authority. I'm going to make you kings and queens, in effect. He's promising his people, I'm going to put you at a high place, a glorified place, as a king or queen would be. That's such an amazing parallel to what we've been studying. Because we think that it's just going to be like this forever sometimes. The people who rule over us are just going to consistently be more wicked and more wicked and more wicked, and they're ever going to lay down the hammer on us. Not so. It will not be forever. Jesus says, one day, you're going to be in the driver's seat, so to speak, with him as your head. Now, this shouldn't make us high-minded. <laughs> Let's not let this make us prideful. It shouldn't. The way to this is humility, a humble spirit, a contrite heart, a loving heart, a heart of grace, a heart of mercy toward the people who are involved in these things. Christians who are caught up in them, as the speakers have been saying so well thus far, there has to be a loving heart from each of us toward them. Compassion. Because it's enticing. It's seductive. And we have to snatch them out of that fire. Hold fast until I come. And to the one who conquers, I will give him authority over the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. So there's strength at the end. There's power. You're given, bestowed power on high from Jesus himself. 
who, as he says, I myself have received authority from my Father. What a, look what Jesus is doing there. He's saying, I received authority from my Father, so I'm going to give you some sort of equivalent authority. It's not the same, obviously, but it just reminds me of John 17 when he's praying to the Father, right? And that beautiful prayer that he prays where he's saying, I and them, you and me, they and us, and he's using all these pronouns and all these togetherness words, the Father, the Son, his church, his people, they and us, you and, you and me, I and you. It's just an incredible prayer that he prays, and it just makes you feel like you're right there with him. And that's what Jesus wants. He wants you and me there with him. That's what heaven is. That's what the reward is to be there with him in unity. And that's what he's promising here. He's saying, I received authority from my father. I'll give you authority as well. And I will give him the morning star. Jesus is referred to as the morning star. He's going to give us himself among whatever else that exactly means. We will have him. You can't have anything better than Jesus. You can't receive any greater gift than he there with you. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And he says that after each address to each church, but it's important. Hear what the Spirit is saying, church, Christians. Hear what he's telling you here. You've got this woman in this particular church who's stirring up trouble, and she's like Jezebel. She's certainly acting like Jezebel, and he calls her Jezebel. He says, there's a punishment waiting for her. She's gone. I gave her time to repent. She didn't. Those who follow her, they can repent. And I've given, I've given them the opportunity to do so. But you who keep yourself separate from them in terms of your conduct, how you live, not to say you don't reach out, you do. But those who refrain from that sin and hold fast, there's a reward. There's something great and awesome Jesus has in store for you and for me. And that's an incredible promise. That's the death of Jezebel. And the death of Jezebel is absolute, ultimate, and forever. The original Jezebel died and suffered the consequences of her actions. This Jezebel also died. Jezebel will always die. <laughs> Jezebel can't win. The way of Jezebel can't win. She can't succeed. She can't rule over you forever. And we, each of us, have a responsibility to look in our own churches and in our own selves, more importantly, in ourselves, for this tyrannical, evil, wicked, malicious woman, this way of living that is evil in each of us. We have to watch out for it. We have to look for it. We have to not buy into the lies that our society tells us, that the world tells us, or that misled Christians tell us. We have to be aware that this way of thinking is so seductive and keep ourselves from it. But as many of the speakers have said, we also need compassion, we need love, we need to reach out to people in kindness. We need to be like Jesus. Because he is the one who has done everything for us. We, we would be nothing and have nothing forever without Jesus. 
So tonight, the offer is for you. If you have encountered this Jezebel in yourself, if you've been struggling with what the world has been pouring onto you, I understand, and it's not easy. But the church is here. The kingdom of Christ is here. We're here to help. We're here to pray for you and give you whatever you need to keep going forward and hold fast. So if you have a need, come forward as we stand and sing.